All right, and we are live. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Coles, and I'm hosting a show called Toxic Masculinity with my wife, Valeria. I'm toxic, she's masculine. Together we are Toxic Masculinity, the least professional show on YouTube. So, um, Valeria. Yes. Is there anything going on in the world that I should know about? <sighs> that I'm not aware of, that we haven't covered yet today in, in our preparation to do the show? Well, I did not see the cover of Florida. Terrible situation. Cover of what? The Florida situation. Oh, 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 with the, yeah, that's, we're not going to cover that. That's all in the news all day, every day. Yeah. You don't need to cover that. I thought you were going to say, well, we're in the middle of our doing, uh, we're in the middle of doing taxes. And uh, that's, that's not stressful at all. No, I have my nerve wracking right here for like yeah, she, two days. Yes, like, two days, I have like. She has like a, a nerve here that's like yeah. pulsing or something like that. Okay, well, if there's nothing else personal. Uh, oh, no, no, there's a couple things. Uh, let's see here. I had Scott Pressler on my Mr. Reagan show the other day. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. Uh, that guy is a great guy. You you, you met him uh, for the first time, I think. No, you met him before. I saw him before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but we had a nice conversation the other night, and uh, he agreed to come on the show, and uh, we're promoting his new thing that he's doing. He's going around the country <clears throat> trying to encourage people to run for public office in not necessarily in in large ways and like for mayor or governor or mm-hmm. you know um the federal government but just for like their city council or running for the school board or positions that people consider smaller or less significant because the truth is if you get a thousand people in offices on a local level it's you know it can be even far more powerful than somebody who gets a seat as a you know in the house of representatives or something like that um they can make a much, much bigger impact, those thousand people. So I think he's doing a, a fantastic job. So go go to his website, Scott Pressler. I think it's scottpressler.com. Or I don't know. Look it up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and you can donate money to him. Or if you want to get involved, you can try to get involved with wherever he's going. Some fantastic stuff. He's going to try to primary all of the people that uh, voted to impeach Trump. And I just <laughs> love that. <laughs> I'm like, Scott, man, you're awesome. Um I, I was also on Gorka this morning. That was quite a bit of fun. Sure. Uh, I always love going on his show. A great man, the great Sebastian Gorka. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. No, nothing else really exciting's happened to us. We're, we're we're arguing about what vacations we should go on because we're like, will we have any money after taxes? <laughs> I don't think we will. Uh, you got to remind me to call a hotel. I have this sneaky plan that I think if I can market a hotel on my show every day, they'll maybe give me a free room. And then we can stay there for a while. I don't know if that's going to work, but I'm going to give it a shot. All right. So why don't we get into it? You want to read, darling? Do you want to read? No, I don't. The first story. I want the intro. Oh, you want the intro. Okay. You know what? Let's do the intro. Let's do the intro. Intro. Toxic masculinity. That's right. We are... Toxic masculinity, and this is the first story. Already messed up. up. Washington Post tries to paint capital murder as a positive guy. As a positive guy. And I actually should have retitled this. Positive in what case? 
Oh, I'll, I'll explain. For COVID? Positive for COVID. No, no, no. That, that would actually make sense. No, um, I AIDS actually should have retitled. Huh? AIDS? Hilarious. <laughs> Stop interrupting. Uh, I should have retitled this uh, social media. Social media uh, paints him because it's not just the Washington Post. I also found it's the New York Times as well. Um, and let's let's have a look at this. So, um, no, he's not medically positive for a disease. What he is uh, is apparently a great guy. He's a great guy. So the New York Post comes out with this article, Family and Friends Concerned Noah Green Was Unraveling Before Capital Attack. And I remember I got this popped up on my phone, and I remember looking at this and being like, well, that's kind of a weird way to, to portray a murderer. Now, the guy's, I mean, clearly a murderer, right? He, like, intentionally ran into police officers with his car, and then he jumped out of his car and then tried to stab them. I mean, this is like maniac behavior. And now they've found that he's, um, and this is a black guy killing white cops, and he's a member of the Nation of Islam, which indicates that we, we've covered the Nation of Islam on this show. They're insane. They're basically the Ku Klux Klan of black people. So if you want, if, you, if you're a black person and you hate white people, join the Nation of Islam. That's where you go. It's like joining the Ku Klux Klan, right? They're, all they talk about is how evil white people are. The Nation of Islam is legit crazy. Like they have, it's, it's a religion based around the idea that white people are monsters and black people are like, you know, the natural correct people. It's, it's, it's they, they talk about hi- historical things, right? Things that are in the Bible, <coughs> historical places. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Uh, they, you know, he, the, the teachings of Elijah Muhammad and, and the, and Louis Farrakhan and all the crazy people that, um, basically popularized the nation of islam like the stuff in the books like if you if you actually like read through the books it's like uh moses went to europe and tried to uh um, teach the savage white people how to be like civilized black people and but they couldn't be they couldn't be civilized they were too evil so then uh moses just blew them all up with dynamite <laughs> even though dynamite wasn't invented until like the very late 20, uh, 19th century, like the very, very late 19th century, dynamite was invented by, famously by, um, uh, the guy who developed the Nobel Prize because after he developed dynamite, dynamite became used um, in ways that ended up killing people. You know, obviously, most of the time, incidentally, like if they're in a mine or, you know, there's some kind of accidental explosion, people died. He felt so bad about this that he created the Nobel Prize to sort of atone for his sins. Um, and uh, they didn't have dynamite in Noah's t- in, in Moses' times. Mo- Noah's. They didn't have dynamite in Moses' times. It, does, it didn't make it... The whole... Everything in that book is crazy. The, I think the whole concept of the Nation of Islam is that there was a guy named... Um, I forget the... I forget the there, there was some guy back in Africa, and he was a scientist... And he like wanted to dominate the world, and so he he created white people as a race of basically monsters to go out and like subjugate black people. And so all white people are are are. I mean, the whole thing is just completely crazy. But anyway, so this guy believe you know he's a follower of Farrakhan, you know, which indicates to me that he was almost for sure a, a total racist. Goes and kills a couple of white cops, 
And then, um, like, where's the protests? Where's the White Lives Matter protests? I don't see that happening. Uh, you know, there's there's no outcry. Nobody seems to care. Um, although, despite the fact that it's pretty much been proven at this point that George Floyd died of a drug overdose, they're still they're still going through with the trial of the the police officer who had you know who was restraining him in the way that the Minneapolis Police Department. Told this guy, this is how you restrain uh, suspects. He was doing what he was told to do, and yet they're still Mm -hmm. going through this trial. And there's still people preparing to protest when the guy is inevitably declared innocent because he obviously didn't do anything wrong. Um, Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin, I believe is his name. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so let's look at how they've described this guy. So family and friends were concerned about this poor guy who he was just he was unraveling before his Is that what this, the article says? This is the family and friend. This is the 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 headline it is. Family and friends concerned Noah Green was unraveling before capital attack. Unraveling? Unraveling means like mentally unraveling like he 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 was having a mental breakdown and that's why he did. They're like the whole article obviously from the beginning even the headline is trying to gaslight everybody into thinking this guy was a great guy. This murderer was actually just a fantastic guy. And uh, I'll read the beginning for you, but there's a part t- toward the end that is really the, the key to this whole thing. So it says, uh, Brendan Green said the troubling signs his brother uh, said the troubling signs his brother was unraveling built up until the night before authorities said Noah Green launched an attack outside the Capitol. Brendan Green said his brother was violently ill Thursday evening in the Virginia apartment uh, they shared before he left and sent a forlorn text. That was one of their final communications. Because every time I feel sick, I don't want to, like, sleep. I don't want to eat chicken soup. I want to kill police officers. <laughs> That's a great justification. That's fantastic. All right. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to go and live and be homeless, uh, Brendan said. Uh, Brendan said the text read, Thank you for everything that, you, that you've done. I looked up to you when I was a kid. You inspired me a lot. As in 24 hours later, Capitol Police said a man crashed his vehicle into two officers at a barricade outside the Capitol before getting out of the car and charging him with a knife. At least one officer uh, opened fire, fatally wounding him. Several people familiar with the investigation identified the subject as Noah Green. And what, one thing that is like conspicuously absent from this entire story is any mention that the guy's black and that the cops he killed were white. There's no mention of that, and there's no picture of him. They don't have any pictures anywhere. There's no pictures anywhere of him. It's like they don't want you to know that he's a black guy that killed white people. Well, what do you expect to do? Like them here's, to do? A, here's the thing. I, I, honestly, I don't think they should write that he's a black guy that killed white people. I don't think that really matters that much. The problem is that every single time a white person kills a black person, it, and even when it's a, a Syrian Muslim killing people, it's still reported as a white guy. Like, they desperately want white men killing people so that they can paint this picture of America as this deeply racist place that encourages white people to kill people. But if something like this happens, they're just like, uh, let me explain why this guy wasn't such a bad guy, and let's not show his picture and nobody say he's black. <laughs> Whatever you do. I'm sure in the original story there was some kind of references and they talked about posting his photo, um, but they just never did. Uh, they, they must have taken it out later. Or maybe they never Maybe they never did from the beginning. Maybe they were just... Um... Anyway, let's keep reading this. Uh, okay. Noah Green, who was in his early 20s. That's a good description. That paints a nice picture. Early 20s. Got it. 
It's the only information we get. Out of the 20s. Was remembered as a stalwart defensive back on the Christopher Newport uh, University football team before he slid into deep religious and uh, religiousness and paranoia that left family and friends concerned about his mental state in recent years. I mean, he was just a, he was just an ordinary kid playing football. That's how we're going to paint this kid. Why don't they do that? Why don't they do that with any of like the the white mass shooters that are always condemning? Why do I never see in the Washington Post like the sympathetic portrayal of this white shooter? You, you would never get this kind of treatment if you're if the Noah Green was a white guy and he killed black guys. This article would be completely the opposite. It would all be about how evil he is. Um, I don't think there would be even an article because what are you going to write about white guy killing somebody? There were white supremacists, yeah, and that's it's Trump's it. that's fault. That's the whole article. That's the whole article. Oh, they can, they can, Couple they can, sentence. they can fill that. They can fill that out. So let me scroll down here because the rest of this is just fluff. Basically, the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, let's see here. So this is it. Damian Jiggets, twenty-two, said Green was a model student athlete at CNU who showed no signs of mental health struggles or other issues. Yeah, because maybe he wasn't mentally unstable maybe he just was a murderer racist so he was playing football mentally unstable there is anything about him singing in the church what else did they gonna write know, good about him sorry guys i forgot to switch to the uh, article view here so you didn't see anything until now but um this is the part that i really wanted you to see anyway uh the, this guy damien jiggets writes he was a stand-up guy said jiggets who graduated last year he was on the dean's list he was a motivator that was the Noah I knew. And regardless of what happened today, that is what his legacy should be. He should be remembered as a positive guy. <laughs> no! He should be remembered as a racist murderer. That's how he should be remembered. Darling, I think you need to turn your brightness up. No sun today? No sunset? That's disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, the sunset, usually, usually yeah. like this time, sun hitting me like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, but it gets worse, you guys. It's not just the Washington Post. I realized that New York Times has an article almost exactly the same. It's almost like they're conspiring together. This one says, Capital suspect struggled before attack, but his motive remains unclear. Does it? Does the motive remain unclear? <laughs> Murderous hatred of white people. That's my guess. That is my guess. Um, Noah R. Green had been distressed, but had had no known history of violence when he rammed his car into two police officers, killing one and injuring another before being killed himself. What a what a poor, gentle soul this murderer is. Uh, and you see these uh, random this random police officer at the Capitol f- flag at half mast. No, no, no photo of him. There's a wrecked car being towed away. No photo of the guy who actually committed the crime because we don't want you to know what he looks like. Um, and then if you go to Newsweek, they did not get the memo. Apparently, Newsweek did not get the memo because they've actually written Louis Farrakhan silent after Noah Green linked to Nation of Islam. Well, but again, there's no picture of Noah Green. So I don't know if at the time they wrote the article, they just didn't have one or what. You'd, you have to actually go to... Gateway pundit, uh, gateway pundit, to to finally find a picture of Noah Green. This is what Noah Green looked like. Uh, you know, may, maybe to his friends he was a nice guy, but uh, follower of the nation, uh, follower of Farrakhan, um, 
and the Nation of Islam, he, you know, it's a racist organization. I'm sorry. It, it is. It is essentially the black version of the KKK, and uh, it needs to be condemned a lot more strongly. And people like uh, Biden, who are out there talking about how we we're a racist country, and you know, people are being oppressed and and you know, being hated for the color of their skin. That language needs to shift a little bit to what I think is more appropriate, which is that the the racism is not coming from white people. It's coming from black people against white people. And actually, and I've said it many times on this show, although this case is an exception, this de- definitely did hurt white people. In most, uh, you know, most of the ways that racism from black people to white people affects this country is it actually hurts black people. That's true. It hurts black people. You wonder why there is this disproportionate level of black poverty. It's because black people are racist against white people. How are you going to succeed if you don't interact with the rest of the country? If you are disproportionately poor and you say, I'm not going to deal with all those rich people, and not, not that white people are all rich, you know what I mean, but the majority of wealthy people in this country are white, and the, you know, there's obviously a lot of rich Asian people and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but you know, there's rich black people, there's rich uh, Latinos, there's rich everybody. But if you're like, I'm not going to, you know, the, if the majority number of rich people are white and you say, I'm not going to deal with those white people, you're limiting yourself extremely. Here, here's an idea. If you want to be successful in life, anyone, and you, you know, you're a creative person or you're somebody who, you know, wants to start a business, something like that, just be nice to everybody. I was nice today to a Hispanic woman. You were nice. You were nice today. I was standing in the to a Hispanic woman. Yes, because well, I was in the bank in the line. It's so a, rare that Valeria's nice to someone I, I, that I was, she actually has to mention it on know, the show. You know, you know, you know, it's weird that I become more nicer mm-hmm. to Hispanic and black people. I was nice before, and now I want to be even more nicer to like, hey, we're not, we don't hate you. Right? Really, you feel compelled to be nicer? Yes. I, I, do. I don't. I, I don't. Do I'm compelled. I'm nice to people. I'm nice to people if I perceive them to be a decent person. If they if I perceive them to be a complete degenerate, white, black, I Hispanic, will still whatever. Treat person nicely. But you I know, because I'm I, I am I do not discriminate who I mean to. If I think that I don't like you for some reason, I'm I'm pretty mean. <laughs> you can attest to this. I mean you could either agree or disagree. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she knows what the word attest means. Yes, I don't uh, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, it was funny, actually, when um, uh, uh, Scott was leaving, Scott Pressler was leaving uh, the show, you know, the, the apartment, some random person was giving out cards to us, like business mm-hmm. cards, which was not something either of us could use because he doesn't live here and I had no interest in the business. But um, Scott Pressler was so nice to this woman who's like super sweet, like aggressively nice. And she responded very well. You know, it was a nice interaction. I just thought, well, that was very nice. But I wouldn't have done that. I would have just been like, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been mean. But man, he, that guy's aggressively nice. And you know what? He's, he's very famous. He's really successful. He's good at what he does. Being nice to people is a very powerful thing. Everybody should be nicer to everybody else. All right, darling, shall we read the next story? Yeah. Yeah. Fur trees are racist. Fur trees... Apparently, according to the people of my state, Oregon, fir trees are racist. Let's have a look at why. So there's a, there's a school in Portland, apparently, that wants to name their mascot an evergreen tree, which I think is a pretty lame mascot. 
Uh, but uh, even that is a problem because they can't. Obviously, they can't name their mascot like uh, the Indians or something like that because that would be racist. So they're like, oh well, let's not do humans. What are we going to do? Let's do a tree, you know. And probably animal rights activists are like, don't call yourself the lions. That's that's negative against animals. So they they settled on like a tree, right? And then they're like, oh wait a second. Didn't they use trees to lynch people? That's problematic. We can't. <laughs> but here's the thing. And I tweeted about this. I was like, you know, guys, if you're going to hate a tree irrationally for the tree being racist, at least get the tree right. At least get the type of tree correct. Nobody ever lynched anybody on a Christmas tree. All right. I don't. It would never have worked. I mean, there's just too many like... Uh, Pine needles. Well, that's a pine tree, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, whatever. There's too many needles. It's just, it would be like, uh, wouldn't work. You can't hang somebody on a fir tree. That's completely crazy. Um, but let's go ahead and read some of this story. So the, the headline is, this is from Washington, uh, New York Post. Sorry. New York Post. Portland school delays evergreen mascot vote over fears that it's tied to lynching. God, these people could not get stupider. All right, let's see here. Uh, a Portland high school... Delayed a vote to change its mascot to an evergreen tree over concerns about its potential ties to lynching, report said. Ida B. Wells Barnett High School, named after the prominent black activist and reporter who documented lynching, was set to vote on the new mascot Tuesday. Until board director shared community concerns over the tree's imagery, the Portland Tribune reported. Well, it didn't help that the picture of the fir tree that they drew was just a branch sticking out with a noose on it. That was probably the reason they had a problem. That's a joke. Obviously, that didn't happen. But they did do this. This was a joke from um, from the show South Park. The show South Park had a um, a flag that they, the the flag the, the the town flag was a black guy getting lynched by like four white people or something like that. That was the the town flag, and uh, nobody had really thought about how racist it was until you know it was brought up, and then they had to decide whether to get a new flag or not. And so instead of instead of changing the flag from a lynching, the, the, the twist in the the episode was that they just made the people lynching the black guy a diver, a, diver, a diverse group, a diverse ethnic group of people lynching a black guy. That was the solution. <laughs> it's, it's a great episode. You guys should check that out. Very funny. Um, all right, let's see here. I'm wondering if there was any concern with the imagery there in using a tree as our mascot. Portland Public School Board of Education Director Michelle DePast asked at the meeting, oh my God, who is this woman? Let me let me just real quick, I'm going to just look up what this woman looks like because I'm curious what a moron looks like. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. She definitely looks like a bit of a moron. Um, so, so this is her. This is her. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's she's just one of these people. Which one exactly? Well, I think it's all the same person, isn't it? Doesn't I mean, look like it. I think it's this. I think it's this woman. That's not probably a very good picture, but let's see here. Milano School of International Affairs. And maybe this isn't her. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, she's she looks. I mean, I don't know. She she doesn't actually look that stupid. She looks like somebody who's 
trying to do the right thing but doesn't have any idea what the right thing is and how could you possibly think that a fir tree could ever even be used to lynch anybody doesn't are ropes know. racist now too are we it's not, not allowed racist. to have ropes it's going to be racist because you need ropes i don't know if you've ever been sailing but you need ropes and I don't, I don't, I don't think we need to consider those to be. Ra- I'm sure that the rodeos are going to be considered racist at some point because you got to lasso things, and probably there's an instance of a black person being lassoed at some point. <laughs> They're going to be like, no, 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 that's racist. You're not allowed to do that either. <laughs> anyway, the, obviously it's a silly story, but I mean, come on, we had to cover it because 100. percent That's, I mean, good lord, fir trees are racist. Now I'm. Okay, this is Portland, right? This is Portland. That's your home Portland, town. Oregon. This is where I'm from. The whole state is covered in fir trees. Covered. I mean, it's a fir tree forest. The whole state is like a fir tree forest, right? I mean, I grew up in those woods. And if you're if you're from Oregon, this would never have crossed your mind. So she can't possibly be from Oregon. Like she's got to be an, you know, an implant. She's got to be somebody who's come from somewhere else who doesn't know the slightest thing about trees generally. I think I, my original tweet, which I changed, was, um, come on, if you're going to lynch somebody, you need a good, strong oak. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to like educate people on how lynchings occurred. And one thing I would love, love to say about lynchings, by the way, which uh, to me, this is actually pretty important. A lot of white people got lynched as well. Lynching is not the, you know, black people don't have a monopoly on a history of lynching. Everybody was lynched historically. Everybody was hanged. Uh, you know, lynching actually just means mob justice. It doesn't actually mean being hanged. Um, that, that's, a, that's a form of lynching. Mm-hmm. Lynching just means mob execution. Um, but obviously the term has changed over the years. But even if you're talking specifically about lynching by hanging, it happened to tons of white people as well. It happened to tons of white people as well, both for racial things, like they were, you know, too friendly with black people or whatever, but also just because they like, stole cattle and stuff like that. I mean, it's a major part of a lot of like old Westerns is people being hanged, right? Um, Sometimes by the law and sometimes by lynch mobs. But this has nothing... I mean, it's not necessarily a racist thing, but they've turned it into something that like black people, like any imagery of a noose is definitely like a racist thing, even though tons of white people got hanged as well over decades. And and noose has been around since long before Mm -hmm. black and white people were even in contact with each other. So, I mean, everything has to be something that's like horribly racist. And it's just, I don't know, just uh, I'm done with the whole race stuff, but it, it was a kind of an interesting story because of how unbelievably stupid it is. So shall we move on to the next story? Newsom may step down to avoid recall. Yeah, this is kind of a crazy story. So this is actually, this is in something called the Whittier daily news, which I'd never heard of before, but, um, it's really well written, this article. <laughs> really well written. Now, I actually heard about this somewhere else, but I looked for an article on it, and, and this article was really good. So uh, let's see here. Will California Democrats go nuclear on the recall? And uh, so they kind of go through the details here. As the recall of election, uh, the recall election of governor... <laughs> Sorry, me no read so good sometimes. <laughs> As the recall election of California Governor Gavin Newsom looks increasingly likely... Golden State Democrats are faced with a variety of questions, including should a Democrat alternative 
alternative candidate be offered up on the ballot just in case? And what to do if it looks like the old bullet train has left the station and Newsom is going down? Uh, First, the California Democrat Party will likely not have much of a say if a high-profile Democrat or, say, a hundred of them decide to throw their hats into the ring. The worst-case scenario for them would be if three or four super-woke, high-profile liberals with deep pockets decide to put their names on the ballot. Uh, Thankfully for them, The View tapes in New York, (laughs) which means none of those ladies would be uh, running. In reality, only a couple of bold-faced names continue to come up as prospective candidates. Let me read the name of the author of this article. John Phillips. John Phillips, you are a good writer. Uh, The worst-case scenario... uh, uh, Yeah, we already did that. Okay. Uh... Among them is Mayor Viragosa. Uh, he used to be mayor of L.A., blah, 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 blah. Don't care, don't care, don't care. Um, I'm looking for... Here we go. All kidding aside, the winner of uh, the most creative award for how to deal with this recall effort goes to Christine Pelosi. This is Nancy Pelosi's super annoying daughter. I've watched some of her documentaries just to get a take on who she is. And, and she is one of the most repugnant human beings I have ever seen ever speak. She is the most smug, arrogant person. I mean, she's more smug and arrogant than her mother. She's got this kind of like uh, attitude like, Nancy Pelosi's my mom, so back off. But she's like in her 40s. So it's like, you know. But she acting like a teenager? She, she basically acts like she's cool because her mom's Nancy Pelosi. Your mother is a criminal. <laughs> Okay, you're proud of your mother being essentially a mob boss. I mean, it's like the worst kind of, she's the worst kind of human being. She's what I like to refer to as insufferable. Um, Okay, here. So she says that, uh, now she has suggested that if necessary, the Democrats should use a nuclear option. In September, he could be doing great and will proceed, Pelosi told Politico. But if he's really underwater, it may be that no Democrat could win. Then he should step down as governor and Eleni, Eleni Kunalakis, sounds uh, Greek, should be the governor. I guess that's the lieutenant governor or something. I've never even heard of this person. Um, And they should cancel the election. In that case, the Democrat Party would retain the governorship. So basically, she's like, if there's a possibility of a recall... We have to undermine the will of the people. We'll get rid of Newsom, which is what the people want, but we won't get rid of our people in in the the uh, state capital. Okay. We'll make sure that our people are still there because we'll remove Newsom before the recall can happen, and then we'll install another person who will do what we tell them to do, and so that the people won't get their special election. They won't mm-hmm. be able to vote on somebody new. And that way, there, there's no possibility a Republican will get into office. It's, and I doubt she even came up with this. This is probably something that Nancy Pelosi came up with, and she's repeating. Because Nancy Pelosi essentially runs California, from what I understand. Basically, if there's a few people that control everything that happens in California, and Nancy Pelosi is sort of like the main person. And uh, she's, she's basically a mob boss. She's basically a mob boss. So they're going to rob the people of California, of their vote, vote again. This is what Nancy Pelosi likes to do. Make sure nobody actually gets a choice in the election that it's always a Democrat. She's essentially a female Vladimir Putin. 
She's she's absolutely the most disgusting type of politician, and how she keeps getting elected. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to elect Nancy Pelosi to office? An obvious criminal who's stealing your tax money. Just an absolute disgusting person. Human trash. She's human trash. That's what I call her. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, and then this guy uh, sarcastically writes, I think we're all pretty relieved to know that the person in charge of keeping uh, a Democrat in California's governor's mansion is Nancy Pelosi's offspring because it's her daughter who's proposed this. Um, I guess Hunter Biden had a full dance card suggesting that that uh, he was too busy to come up with this stuff. Um, all right, so I'm not going to keep reading this. I mean, it's it's a good article if you want to look at it. Uh, again, it's, a uh, it's called the Whittier Daily News, but the, the point is just that Democrats are sneaky as hell. They don't care about the will of the people. What they care about is staying in power. And if you're voting for a Democrat, you're voting for a criminal. All right, darling. Yes. Shall we move on to the next story? Sure. Uh, Soros group pledged $20 million to boost Biden plan. Yes, uh, George Soros, uh, I shouldn't say his name, Porge Poros, Porch Poros. Porch Poros's group has, has pledged to, uh, $20 million to boost Biden's infrastructure plan. So um, Porch Poros, is, uh, the Porch Poros-funded Open Society Foundation is pledging $20 million for a campaign to rally progressives to support President Joe Biden's infrastructure proposal. I mean, this is, this is pretty disturbing. When you have a proposal that is so unpopular and so insane that you actually need to put $20 million into it. It's, it's not enough. No, I don't think it's going to actually do all that much. It might. It might, it might bring in some people on board to, to be like, oh, this is actually a great idea. The, you know, these people who are telling me it's a good idea, they make a lot of sense. Because, you know, there, there is a, a part of the population who is very gullible. And if you put enough advertising in front of them, they're going to accept what you're telling them, even though what you're telling them isn't true. Um, it's actually funny. They, they they make a statement in here, which I totally agree with. You know, I'm more interested in that article on the top right about mask that doesn't mask your face. That's a facial covering that doesn't what mask the hell? your face. Sorry, but I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was actually just complaining about another article that I couldn't do today because one of the um, side articles was too uh, uh, distracting. And now Valeria yeah. intentionally drives this train off the tracks because of this stupid image from this ad. So apparently Valeria is one of those people that's convinced by bad advertising. I am. <laughs> I, I am. I, I got to keep her in line. I got to keep her in line. Um all right, here, the money is expected to help activate many of the grassroots progressive groups that led the fierce opposition to the agenda of former President Donald Trump. The $20 million is expected to be funneled into such grassroots organizing and not be used for paid advertising. We hope this effort on the part of organizers and donors will give the Biden administration and Congress the assurance that they need to go as big, bold, and fast as possible. Uh, Tom uh, Perriello, the executive director of Open Society U.S., said that every initiative proposed by Joe Biden has broad public support, but we've seen popular reforms get demonetized before by partisan and special interests, and we're not going to let that happen. Perriello added that facts don't always win without some real muscle put behind 
behind getting those facts in front of the American people. And I actually kind of agree with that statement, but it's one of these statements that Democrats say that isn't actually applicable to Democrats. I mean, it's applicable to Republicans. Am I saying that word right? Um, Democrats are actually very comfortable with spending money on their ideas, on proposals that they have for legislation and stuff like that. And they're very clever about convincing people to do them. Uh, Republicans are terrible at this. We are terrible at this. And here's my theory about that. If you're the kind of person who tells the truth a lot, you're probably not going to be very good at lying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're the kind of person that lies a lot, you're probably going to be actually quite good at lying, right? Um, Now, here's the problem with somebody who tells the truth going up against somebody who lies. If you're a liar, if you're somebody who likes to lie, you're going to spend some time and energy contemplating how do I develop a lie that is believable. Mm-hmm. So you're going to work out, okay, I could say this, I could say this, I could, you're going to work it out in your mind, how can I be convincing, blah, 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 blah. But if you have to come tell me the truth about something, like if you have to tell me like, oh... You don't need to spend time. No. If you're going to tell me, oh, I got a text today from the, the landlord, we're getting our water shut off for an hour tomorrow for maintenance or something like that. Yeah. There's no convincing that has to be done. You just come in and tell me. Yeah. You know, because you have the confidence that if you need, I need proof, you just show me the text or what. Like, mm-hmm. you don't even, it doesn't even occur to you that you have to think of something. Occur? <laughs> what is up with you today? What is up with you today? Everything is derailing my... So you don't have to sit there and think of how you're going to convince me because you know it's true. Yeah. And this is a problem Republicans have had for but decades you still, now. you still might not believe me. <laughs> well, that's the problem. But you don't think about that. You don't think, oh, if I'm going to go in and tell him I got this text from the landlord, he's not going to believe me. But then I will think how to prove that. No, no, no. You're not going to... What are you talking about? You're not even going to even contemplate that because you get a text. It's true. You mm-hmm. say, oh, I should tell Chris about this. And you just tell me. You don't think about how to convince me, right? You don't think about... You just have that in the back of your head like, you know... I mean, you have the confidence naturally because you have that proof. But anyway, point is... My point is that Republicans for decades have been trying to express ideas to the American people that make sense rationally and work based on facts that are true, right? We have this set of facts... In, in the real world that exists, and we're using those facts to develop ideas to help improve the country. And Democrats, they don't look at the, the facts as they are. They have a plan that they think will help improve the country. And then they think, okay, now how do we create support for the, this idea? Let's pretend that it's a racist country. Let's pretend that, that you know, men you know, really hate women in America, and that's why we need this legislation, right? They come up with all these sort of lies in order to convince people that their plans are good, as opposed to coming up with good plans based on realities that exist on the ground in the world. So if you've practiced lying to try to convince people of things for decades, you're going to be pretty good at it. In fact, you're going to be so good at it that you might actually be more convincing than somebody coming out and just telling the truth. And so that's how I think, that's how I think Democrats um, are more convincing than Republicans. Do you want to turn the brightness down on your camera? I think I look good. Oh, I do. you are glowing. I am glowing. You're glowing. I'm you're, glowing. You're glowing like if you put a piece of metal into a fire. <laughs> you bring it out. It's like, my gosh. 
Um, so. All right. Well, that's it for that uh, story. I just wanted to talk about how. Um, well, what what's really interesting about this is like we're always trying to figure out who's really running the country, right? And Democrats will always say, "Oh, those conspiratorial conservatives." They're always saying that you know, George Poros is trying to buy politicians and stuff like that. They're like, "It's that's not true. They're just this is just a conspiracy theory. This is you know, Q stuff or whatever." And I'm like, "No." Uh, Porch Poros does actually try to buy politicians. He does actually try to influence things with his millions and millions and billions of dollars. Um, he's been doing this for years and years and years. Everybody knows it. What the hell are you talking about? It's it's a weird thing to deny, but they've done a pretty good job of making yeah. him seem like he's not doing anything mm-hmm. at all to try to manipulate the country. And uh, they've convinced people that anytime he's brought up, that it's some kind of conspiracy theory nonsense. Meanwhile, they're telling us that Trump colluded with Russia. Oh. They're telling us that that phone call was meant to uh, somehow incriminate uh, Joe Biden unjustly, despite the fact that everything that Trump suspected of him was true. Uh, you know, he got impeached for that. I mean, there's all these conspiracy theories on the left. Oh, the Joe, the 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 um, the Hunter Biden laptop thing was just a Russian disinformation, and you can't put it on Twitter. I mean. The blue and on conspiracy theory stuff on the left is so much more insidious than any kind of conspiracy theory stuff on the right. And we definitely have that. I and mean, we definitely have a lot of uh, kind of kooky conspiracy theorists on the right. Uh, but I, I think they're actually a fringe of the right. Whereas the conspiracy theories on the left that are not true are believed by like literally everyone on the left. Like everyone on the left bought into the Russian collusion thing. They all bought into the Ukraine thing. They all bought into the Hunter Biden laptop story. I mean, they buy into all these stories every single time they're put on. And they're put on like CNN. They're put in like the New York Times. They're put in like the mainstream leftist media. Whereas our stuff is like on 4chan. Like our stuff's like in, in sort of like the the dark reaches of the, the internet. You you know, it's almost nobody ever hears about it actually, except for like as a conspiracy theory. But people don't hear about the Rush collusion thing as a conspiracy theory. They hear about it as mainstream news. That's like the, the big difference between um, the the conservative kooky conspiracy theory side and the left-wing kooky conspiracy theory side. The left-wing kooky conspiracy theory side is the left, generally. All right. Would you like to move on to the next story? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, confrontation between a Calgary pastor... Calgary, and Calgary, the Canada. Goes viral. I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this I is a kind of video. a cool. You want to watch this? Yeah. All right. Let's watch the viral video, ladies and gentlemen. Please get out. Get out of this property immediately. Get out. Okay. Get out of this property okay. immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out. Out. Out of this property immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. 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 Out of this property immediately out. Immediately go out and don't come back. I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this pro- out of this property immediately out. I don't care what you have to say. Out 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 of this property, you Nazis. Out. Out. 
Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without the warrant. Out, Nazi. Out. Out. You understand? Nazis are not welcome here. Out. And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. Gestapo is not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. Unbelievable, sick, evil people. Intimidating people in a church during the Passover. You Gestapo, Nazi, communist, fascists. Don't you dare coming back here. Can you imagine those psychopaths? Passover, the holiest Christian festival in a year. And they're coming to intimidate Christians during the holiest festival? Unbelievable. What is wrong with those sick psychopaths? It's beyond me. I, I love this man. I love this man. I don't know who he is, but I love him. And I'll tell you what, the fact that he's got kind of a Eastern European accent or something, yeah. it's even more charming. I just, it somehow makes it better. Uh, Calgary church pastors video confronting police goes right now. I intentionally didn't watch that beforehand because I, I kind of, kind of knew what was going to happen vaguely. I didn't expect him to be quite as intense as he was. That was fantastic. I wanted to get my genuine reaction on video. And what I have to say about this guy is that I love him. I mean, okay, first of all, I don't really know the laws in Canada. What, what's up? What's up? What's wrong? Yeah, we got to work something out on this. So I, I don't know what the laws are like in Canada so that I can't say I can't say exactly about like what people should do or how people should respond to police, but clearly there is Not some like kind this, of... Not like this, Oh, no, no, definitely like this. This is exactly how you should react. Because at least in, Amer at least in the United States, this guy acted exactly correctly. You're not allowed to just go into a private uh, place, somebody's private property, as a police officer without a warrant, unless mm -hmm. you have some kind of like emergency, right? If, if you hear gunshots or something like that, right, then they can go in. But they can't just go in and do a, a random search of your place. They can't just go in uninvited. And if the person, if like this pastor, anybody who owns the property or manages the property, tells them they have to get off the property, they have to immediately get off the property. And in fact, I think this guy could actually sue them. Why they Why they come without the without the warrant at all? <laughs> right. Well, because I guess because it was just this idea that like, oh, we think that certain churches are going to gather on this day, so let's. Mm -hmm. As a plan, let's go find, let's go look into these churches and see if they're gathering. I think those police guys, police people, I think they were like, yeah, we're not, we know we're not supposed to be here. Exactly. Because, because this B-I-T-C-H. What? That inspector, whatever. Oh, the woman, the girl. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the, is, it, is it just me or does she look a lot like uh, Psaki? No. She looked like, a, she looked a little bit like Jen Psaki. Sun. Yeah, this, yeah, we'll work something out about it. But the the point I'm trying to make here is that uh, 
in the United States, because police aren't just allowed to come on your property uninvited or without any kind of cause, then if they do come on, uh, come on your property, especially like in Canada, where this has become a real problem, where the police are targeting uh, people unjustly um, because of COVID, they're just using COVID as an excuse, you should react like that. You should tell them, you are not allowed legally to be here. You have to get off the property. Mm-hmm. And in fact, because they hesitated for so long, I mean, they took quite a long time to actually yeah. turn around and back off. She's like, oh my God, he knows the law. She was trying to argue with him yeah. and none of them were leaving. And he had to scream it many, many times. I think he might actually even be able to sue the police department for not, uh, for, for sort of like illegally ent- entering his place and then not leaving when told to. Because that, you know, if that's the law in Canada, like it is here in America, uh, I think he'd have a fair case mm-hmm. there. Um, I don't know how that kind of I don't know how that kind of litigation how easy that is in Canada compared to the United States, but I imagine it's something similar. So I think he should totally sue them. I hope that guy gets like ten million dollars from the city yeah, of Calgary so. for that because it, you need to teach these people a lesson. They can't just keep thinking like, oh, we're um, we're the law. You're not the law. You just enforce the law, and if you're breaking the law. Then, in particular, I think that you need to be to be punished. There needs to be something done there, and this is not a problem just with those cops. I mean, this is a systemic problem. Obviously, this was a planned thing where they mm-hmm. were sending groups of cops to churches to try to get people for COVID stuff. And it's like, I mean, the whole response to COVID to me is, has been a massive overreaction, pretty much everywhere in the world, right? I mean, who who did well? Sweden. Why did they do well? Well, they kept everything open. You know, they didn't require the same kinds of constraints that the rest of us had. They sort of let the virus sort of take its course. And it just wasn't as severe of a virus as everybody thought that it was going to be. And the really weird thing is, like, I was talking about this to somebody the other day. Like, N95 masks are actually, they actually work pretty well. You know, the science tells us, if you want to follow the science... You can say N95 masks will actually stop the particles of the virus from getting in or getting out. So if you really wanted people to be safe, you'd say everybody has to wear an N95 mask. But that's not what they said. They, ha- they said you have to wear a piece of cloth covering in front of your face. That's the re- that was the requirement in California. I don't know how, m- how many other states had similar requirements, but it was like you could wear a scarf or you could wear one of those neck gaiters. Mm-hmm. And those don't do anything. They don't do anything to stop you getting sick. They don't do anything to stop you spreading the virus. If you have coronavirus, you need to stay home. That's the best way to stop other people getting infected. That's the most sympathetic thing to do. It's not to go outside with a scarf on. That's not going to help anybody. So if they genuinely thought there's all this asymptomatic spread and all these people who are sick are going out, and so we need to stop them from spreading the virus, have them wear the N95 masks. The fact that they weren't requiring N95 specifically, the only mask or the 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 minimum level of protection that's actually needed to stop the virus from spreading, that to me indicated that all of their rules were basically just arbitrary virtue signals. And I mentioned that, I think, on the show yesterday, so I don't want to go do it again. But already done, sorry. Anyway, point is, the code restrictions are a lot of government BS. And when you go in and prosecute people for breaking BS rules, you're just persecuting your own people. And especially when you do it with, like, church groups, not a good look. Not a good look. Let people practice their religion in peace, that's part of living in a free country, and don't go viciously attacking them because they're, you know, they're gathering as Christians. Believe it or not, that's what a lot of Christians do. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that, but church is a thing that we do as Christians. Now, There's a Greek church, by the way. Huh? 
It was a Greek church, by the way. Oh, was it a Greek church? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or Eastern Orthodox. Greek. Specifically Greek? Are we sure about that? Did you see the language? <laughs> no, I know I didn't. That's great. Yeah, Greek church. Good. But Eastern but, Orthodox. But, Gre but, Greek Orthodox and Eastern Orthodox are essentially the same. Yeah, thing. but in Greek in Greece they actually have like the the craziest restriction of because of COVID. COVID. In Greece, yeah. Mm -hmm. In actual the country of Greece. Yeah. It's interesting. Um Oh Next Gorka story. Gorka just sent me a link to our uh, our interview today. So if you want to go on, uh, I'll go ahead and post that. <laughs> we actually talk about something we're going to talk about here, which I learned from being on Gorka today. Um, so, yeah, why don't we go on to the next story? My glowing bride. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to change the focus. Really? Yeah, go ahead and read the next, the next story. Okay. Uh, Justice Clarence, Clarence Thomas. Thomas wants social media regulate like utilities. Yeah, yeah, like Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas wants to regulate social media like utilities, which is something I've been saying on the show forever. So, Clarence Thomas, clearly you watch the show. I'm a big fan. <laughs> no, I don't think Clarence Thomas watches the show, but that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, all right, so let's have a look at this story. Um, this man, who is clearly a legend, <laughs> says he suggests that Facebook and Twitter could be regulated by utilities. You think? Yeah. A lot of people have been saying this. Uh, Clarence Thomas. It's funny because usually the Supreme Court um, justices, they don't come out with policy ideas themselves. They just rule on other people's policies. In fact, it's very rare that a Supreme Court justice will express an idea about what they think other branches of government should be doing. So this is actually mm -hmm. quite a phenomenal thing for him to do this. Um, so, okay. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas appeared to signal that big tech firms could be regulated after Facebook and Twitter suspend, suspended President uh, Donald Trump earlier this year. Thomas, considered a conservative, Thomas, who is considered a conservative on the high court, made the point during a 12-page uh, submission <clears throat> as the court issued an order that rejected a lawsuit over Trump's blocking of certain Twitter users from commenting on his posts before his account was taken down. The Supreme Court said... The lawsuit ultimately should be dismissed as Trump isn't in office anymore and was blocked from using Twitter uh, coming after the Second Circuit Court of Appeals had ruled against Trump. Okay, so he is actually talking, he's reacting to something that occurred in a case, so that actually makes a lot more sense. Like, to, I thought maybe he just said it in a press conference or something like that or, or mentioned it to somebody in an interview, but, uh, but no, no, he's specifically talking about a case that was before the Supreme Court, so that's... That actually makes a lot more sense. Today, digital platforms provide avenues for historically unprecedented amounts of speech, including speech by government actors. Also unprecedented, however, is the control of so much speech in the hands of a few private parties, Thomas wrote on Monday. Uh, we will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information structures such as digital platforms. Thank you, Clarence Thomas. Wow. Wow. And he puts it so eloquently as well. He puts it so beautifully and eloquently. I mean, honestly, like there, there's this, you know, you, you, uh, you're talking about like racial stuff in America all the time. Like you're always hearing about how white people are racist and stuff like that. But like, there's a lot of dumb white people. There's a lot of dumb white people. And there's a lot of brilliant black people, right? There's a lot of brilliant white people. There's a lot of dumb black people. But we always tend to see in the media these black activists and these white suburban housewives telling us all that we're all racist 
and they all we all hate black people and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is, I grew up with people like Clarence Thomas on the TV, and they were people that I looked up to and respected, and I liked, and I, I had no I had no thought in my head like, oh, black people are dumb, right? The only time you 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 know you you conceive of that as a thing, at least for me is when Democrats are telling me that's what I think, right? Democrats are telling me that I hate black people and stuff like that. You know, somebody like him is such an impressive guy, or Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell is, I think, one of my favorite all-time conservatives. He's just such a smart man, uh, such an awesome guy. And uh, or, or Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza is Indian, you know? Um, I don't sit there and I go, oh, Dinesh D'Souza. I mean, he's, he's really smart and everything, but he's Indian. <laughs> you know? I mean... God, I mean, I mention Dinesh D'Souza to you all the time. I'm constantly like quoting him and talking about stuff that he's saying. Uh, I probably don't talk about Thomas Sowell as much to you, but um, but I watch a lot of his videos and I read a lot of his stuff and love that man. And Clarence Thomas, also another one, just a great guy. And we were just talking about um, Ben Carson uh, the other day. I, I guess it was with, um, it wasn't with you. I was talking to, uh, what's his name? Who did I interview the other day? Scott. Scott, Scott Pressler. You yeah. mean yesterday? Scott Pressler. <laughs> I have problems. I don't think so good. Oh, you got to adjust again? But anyway, there's so many brilliant people of so many different colors, uh, you know, di- different races and stuff. Um, you going to break the mic? <laughs> and And again, this comes down to the difference between how conservatives perceive people and how leftists perceive people. Leftists all tend to perceive people by their groups. Conservatives tend to perceive people by their individual attributes. And that, that's one of the reasons why I love being the conservative. It's such a much more sensible way of living. Uh, let's see here. And this is a perfect example of a very smart guy uh, just saying something brilliant that everybody can respect, I think. Um, Thomas also well, noted there are arguments suggesting digital platforms such as Twitter or, and, or Facebook that are sufficient, sufficiently akin to common carriers or places of accommodation to be regulated in this manner. I wish I actually wish I could write as brilliantly as he does. I mean, it's such brilliant writing. Are sufficiently akin to common carriers or places of accommodation to be regulated in this manner. I love that. Thomas made references to the respective owners of Facebook and Google by name. Mark Zuckerberg, Larry Page, and Sergey. Sergey Brin? Am I saying that name right? Sergey? Sergey. Sergey. Sergey Brin. Uh, Although both companies are public, one person controls Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and just two control Google, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, he wrote. Thomas agreed that, well, uh, there's also the the Gestapo that runs uh, YouTube as well. I forgot that woman's name, but whatever. She's horrible. Um, Because even though they're under Google, I think they do have some degree of autonomy about how they, but maybe not. Maybe it's all controlled by these guys. Thomas agreed that Trump's Twitter account did resemble a constitutionally protected public forum in certain aspects. He noted that it seems rather odd to say that something is a government forum when a private company has unrestricted authority to do away with it, Uh, possibly referring to Twitter's ban against Trump following the January 6th incident. He makes such a good point because if, if we have to say that legally politicians are not allowed to block people on Twitter because it's a public forum, then how can we say that Twitter has the right to block politicians from their website? Well, they're a private organization. Exactly. They can do anything they but, want. But Trump's Twitter account is a private Twitter account. You can make that argument as well. Well, 
It's complicated. No, it's not complicated. It's simple. It's a public forum. They're not publishers. Therefore, they're not allowed to editorialize. That's exactly what they do. And so, uh, yeah, they do need to be regulated completely. Um, any control Mr. Trump exercised over his account greatly paled in comparison to Twitter's authority dictating in its terms of service to remove the account at any time for any or no reason, he added. Twitter exercises authority to do exactly that. I mean, he makes such a sound argument that it's almost impossible to contradict it. It's so unbelievably brilliant. Um, and, you know, I've talked about this many times on the show, but I've never expressed it quite as clearly as that. And I think part of the problem for me is that I, I kind of work from this fundamental place of logic, reason, and rationality, whereas he's coming from, uh, you know, from a legal background. He's a mm. lawyer and then a judge and then a Supreme Court justice. I mean, I assumed he was a lawyer at some point <laughs> back when he was in diapers. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the man is, is a brilliant legal mind and he's able to craft a, a, an argument um, in, in more legal terms that, that I think is actually even more convincing than anything I could possibly say. So, yeah, big ups. Big ups to Clarence, Clarence Thomas, whom I think is the favorite Supreme Court justice of conservatives, which, uh, again, flies in the face of this idea that conservatives are horribly racist because we love people by the content of their character, not the sure. color of their skin. All right. Uh, is this the last story? Second to last story. We're almost there, darling. We're almost there. She wants to go to her friend's place to play a Stop. game. No. <laughs> She's upset with me. You said we'll be done by seven. We will. We'll, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's seven. Okay. Can you read the next story, please? Sure. Thank you. Hunter Biden smoked Parmesan cheese to get high. Yeah. Yeah. How weird is this story? So, Hunter Biden... This is something I learned on Gorka today. Hunter, Hunter Biden apparently s- said he was smoking Parmesan cheese because when he was with his brother's wife, he got together with his brother's wife after his brother died. Uh, she didn't want him doing drugs. So he was, he was like so desperate to get high, he smoked Parmesan cheese. So he's not lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I mean, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. All right, let's go ahead and play this for you guys. But the rumors lived on. In October 2020, a New York Post article said that emails purportedly showing shady dealings in Ukraine by Hunter Biden were found on a laptop computer that he supposedly left in a Delaware repair shop in 2019. The details were sketchy at best. And last month, a declassified intelligence report said that before the election, the Russians had launched a smear campaign against Joe Biden and his family. It does not specifically talk about your laptop. Yeah. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's... Is, this I is really a, don't know okay. if the answer is. That's you don't know, yes answer. or no, if the laptop was yours. I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was, the, that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. And you, you didn't drop off a laptop to no. be repaired no. in Delaware? Not no. that I remember at all. At all. So... We'll see. Usually he calls me uh, right before he goes to bed just to tell me that he loves me. Hunter Biden says he's rebuilding now, 
and sober since he married South African film producer Melissa Cohen in May 2019. If his story means anything, he told us, it's that the only thing more powerful than a monstrous addiction or eviscerating grief is a family's love. Did you say your da- you and your dad talk every night? Every night, yeah. Yeah, well, we talk at least every night. All right, this is obviously not the part that I wanted to play. He, like me, knows a lot more compassion and understanding for the people that mean when he took his last breath. Back in drinking vodka. There we go. Anyone, anyone that you know. All right, so here's a th- Because there'd be crumbs yeah. mixed in and yeah, you just... It, yeah, I mean, I went one time... Okay, so so I do want to comment on that last thing, by the way. He's he's saying that he did so much drugs and stuff that he has no idea whether that laptop's his. That's such an unbelievably obvious lie. You, of course you know if that laptop's yours or not. I'm just so rich. I have so many laptops. I don't know. Some of them just disappear sometimes. I don't even think about it. You know, I just smoke crack and I don't think about what's happening to my various laptops. Just like, whatever. You know how it is, guys. Come on, you know if the freaking laptop's yours. You know if it's yours. You know, of course you know it's yours. But but this is something I mentioned on the Gorka show. Like, she doesn't ask about the specific things on the laptop. She doesn't say, okay, you're saying that it could be Russian disinformation. So is anything that came out about the laptop, is any of that stuff false? Or is any of it true? And you could list off the different things. She could read it off. But she doesn't do that, of course... Because she has no interest in making him look bad. She wants to make him look good. All right, let's read the Parmesan cheese bit because this is the really this is the funniest thing. This is so crazy. Um, all right, let me get get back here. That re- even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I... But in time, he fell off the wagon and deeper into the abyss. You would wake up some mornings, I shouldn't even say some mornings because you slept for like 15 minutes at a time and be looking for crack and just smoke whatever was there? Yeah. uh, You know, I spent more time on my hands and knees picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone... (laughs) Anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> because there'd be crumbs yeah. mixed in and yeah, you just... It, yeah. I mean, I went one time for 13 days without sleeping and smoking crack and drinking vodka exclusively throughout that entire time. Hunter Biden's struggle with his personal demons is a big part of his new book from an imprint of Simon... CBS Company. The title, Beautiful Things... Okay, all right. I I figured it out. I finally figured out why, because I hadn't watched this whole thing. I was just aware of this today. So what he's trying to say here is that you know <laughs> what he's trying. What he's trying to say here is that he 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 was looking for any kind of crack he could find, and so if he found something that looked like crack, he would smoke it hoping it was crack, but then it turned out to be Parmesan cheese, disappointing him. So he wasn't actually smoking Parmesan cheese intentionally. 
He was smoking Parmesan cheese, thinking hopefully it's actually crack. Well, it wasn't like detergent Clorox. That's true. It could have been a lot of stuff. It could have been a lot of weird stuff. Kitty litter. I don't. I don't know. Actually, I've never smoked crack, but I assume that you know you can mistake know kitty litter. That, like, I think for me, all drugs looks the same, just white, whatever. Yeah, some kind of white powder. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really weird is that this is obviously a fluff piece. This is obviously like a positive piece to promote his book. It's insane to me that the media. Despite the fact that this guy's a crackhead, he doesn't make his his family look good. The fact that he obviously stole American taxpayer money through Burisma, through Ukraine, that was you know money that was shoveled into Ukraine by uh, his father Joe Biden in this corrupt manner. He corruptly took money from the Chinese. Uh, all of these bad things. The media is still pushing his book. That's how much the media wants to they need to push his books maybe he will make money on his book and stop stealing money from taxpayers <laughs> yeah maybe that's why all right well i guess that's the show for today i think we had a lot of good stories uh i'm gonna take it up from here and valeria is gonna go to her party because she's obviously very stressed out texting her friends i'm sorry my evil husband is making me work today so uh <laughs> 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 meanwhile we're trying to do a show here and she's sitting around her phone texting her friends all right, she obviously is getting stressed out. You can go, darling. I will read the questions and comments. Are you sure you can handle it without me? I don't know. Do you have anything that you took pictures of or anything that we need to cover? No, I did not see a single super chat. Okay, today. perfect. All right. Don't no give him money without me, guys. Thank you. Don't give him any money without me. Yeah, ex exactly. So, um, all right, Valeria, you've been lovely. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll answer some questions and comments. All right, bye now. Don't smoke Parmesan while I'm gone. All right. Yeah, it's funny, actually, that I wasn't able to to figure out quite what they were saying, but I hadn't seen that clip now that I've seen the whole thing. Hunter Biden, yeah, he's not exactly the, the clearest person in the world. All right. I, 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 my my uh, timeline still hasn't caught, caught up to all you guys' questions and comments, so uh, just give me a second here. Let's see here. Frank James has written Toxic Masculinity at... Uh, a crackhead will smoke anything tuny. I don't know what that means. T U N Y. Uh, and while hoping that it's crack, um, I think he. I think you meant white. Something in white, hoping that it's crack. Right. Yeah. I. I. I, I kind of figured that out. Uh, it made it made sense once I thought about it, right? Like, like somebody who's addicted to somebody, thinking maybe some of the particles got lost in the carpet, digging through the carpet, trying to find something, finding something that looks vaguely like it, uh, trying to smoke it, and then obviously being disappointed that it's not it. So it took me a second to figure that out, but <laughs> I figured it out. Let's see here. Uh, Frank James says, "Valeria, we do, uh, we do mean any? Do we mean anything to you?" <laughs> Clearly not. Clearly not. Clearly her friends... Uh, she plays this... To me, it doesn't look that fun. It's like a Russian game where you gamble, but they play with pennies, right? So she has all these rolls of pennies, so they don't do it, you know, for real money. Um, but then they do this thing where they, w once they've done a few games of that, they play, like, the super game, and they, like, bet, like, a whole dollar. <laughs> and she'll call me up and tell me about her winnings and stuff. It's pretty funny. I like her friends. Her friends are pretty cool people, so... Uh, it's okay. She's she's good. Uh, grown up gamer says Valeria's out. I'm out. <laughs> That's totally reasonable. 
Um, Otaku Magnet says book deals are for money laundering. That's actually possible. That I don't know. I don't know if that's what they're doing, but it's also just a good way to get money. If you are famous, writing a book is a good way to sort of cash in on that fame. Um, I would love to do it, but uh, I'm not that famous. And also, YouTube's got their boot on my neck, so I got to wait until that gets fixed. Um, but I do have a book I want to read. Or I want to read. I want to write. I have two books I want to write. One is a, a novel uh, that is somewhat to do with the political stuff going on in the world. But another one is called White People Are Awesome. And uh, <laughs> I want to title everything in ways that are super provocative. That's why the title of the book is provocative. Uh, the subtitle of the book is All the Things We're Not Allowed to Say. And I want to say things like, uh, you know... Uh, England is a dystopian nightmare because of Muslim rapists. <laughs> I want to say that in my book because that's true. It's true. Um, homeless people smell bad. There's another thing that I want to write. <laughs> and a lot of this, um, you know, like I have one about Asians. Where's my Asian one? Asians have squinty eyes. Uh, th these are all things you're not really allowed to say in a polite society or, you know, you know, amongst leftists in the world, because they'll they'll call you a racist or a misogynist or insensitive or something like that. But uh, but every provocative th title that I have for a chapter in this book is followed up by a, a reasonable, a rational uh, uh, explanation as to why that specific sentence or that provocative thing should be able to be talked about in our society. And a lot of it basically boils down to this, which is that. Um, when you when you make things foreboden to talk about in society, what you end up doing is ignoring the problems that that discussion is about, right? Uh, it's the same thing I always talk about with the black community and why they're disproportionately poor and how a lot of that stems from their hatred of white people and their resentment of white people and, and racism um, against white people. And uh, that's something we're really kind of been conditioned not to just kind of ignore. But the problem is when you ignore a problem like that... Um, it gets worse, right? And if you're not allowed to say Asians have squinty eyes, which is a thing, it's not a racist thing, compared to white people, Asians have squinty eyes. That's true. That's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just a thing, right? But if we're not allowed to talk about that and say that and maybe joke about our differences, then it turns into something that is that is uh, forbidden. It turns out turns into something that is, is perceived to be racist, right? If my best friend's Japanese... And I say, well, Japanese people have squinty eyes. Am I a racist? No, of course I'm not a racist. But that's the perception that people have now, which is awful. We shouldn't have that perception of reality. We should be able to joke about things. You destroy humor. You destroy people's ability to solve problems. There's so much wrong with making speech um, illegal or against the rules or somehow uh, foreboding in society um, that we need to fight against this at this point. And that's why I want to write that book. Anyway, so that's something I'm going to maybe write. It's going to be a hell of a lot better than uh, I was on my hands and knees looking for crack and I smoked a lot of Parmesan cheese. I can tell you the book's going to be better than that. Uh, Frank James writes, did you have a good Easter? Well, I did have a good Easter, but not for the tr in the traditional sense because Valeria had to work on Easter, which is funny. She had a job on Easter, so she ended up leaving. We were going to make eggs. We were actually going to do a live stream where we made Easter eggs. I thought that was going to be fun. But uh, she couldn't do it, so we didn't end up even getting any of the supplies. But I ran into uh, Scott Pressler the day before, and, I, and uh, I was like, well, you know what? If you want to come to, on the show and talk about your 
your new projects, what you're doing now. Um, I think what you're doing is awesome. I think you should come on. And he said, yeah, sure. So we set it up. We did the show. And it was just a good time. I, I, I really liked the guy. He's a really nice guy. He talked about how he was really bullied severely as a kid, and it made him into a really sort of gentle person and a really kind person to everybody because he doesn't want to treat people like he was treated, which I really respect. And uh, and I think he's doing a lot of good work politically. So uh, just getting to know him and talking to him. I mean, I've met him a few times before, but it was a really good. It was a, it was a nice day. It was a really nice day. It wasn't quite what I would have expected for Easter, but it was fun. Uh, let's see here. John Butjack. John but Jack. Sorry, I keep saying her name wrong. It makes it sound funny. Uh, let's see. John but Jack writes, white people are awesome, question mark. Did you half quote Barkley? Oh, did did is that Charles Barkley? Did Charles Barkley say something like that? I'm unaware. No, no, no. I was just trying to think of provocative things to say as titles of the book. And one of the ideas I came up with is to say white people are awesome because the last chapter of the book is actually white people invented everything, which is the provocative thing about white people I usually say. But it's one of the few things we're not allowed to say that's positive. In fact, I start the book out with a positive thing, which is I say Jews are smart. That's the first thing that I say. But you can't say Jews are smart. Why? Because it sort of implies that maybe other races aren't smart. We're not allowed to talk about race and ethnicity and IQ. and We're not allowed to talk about that kind of stuff, which I think is silly. But um, so I the one the one of the things I say is positive is Jews are smart, which implies a lot of other things that are potentially like hurtful and negative to people. But then the last chapter is white people invented everything, which I which is true. I mean, what almost everything that we use today is invented by a white person, and white people just don't get credit for it because for some reason a lot of people in society want to say white people are evil and must atone for their sins. It's a way of punishing people that never did anything wrong. Um. <clears throat> And another way of saying white people are invented everything that's a little bit more provocative and less, you know, uh, less backed up by statistics and facts and all that kind of stuff and just more a provocative thing to say was is just the general statement white people are awesome. So that's kind of how I came up with that. Just trying to say something that sounds provocative. And I wanted something to, to title the book that was a positive thing. Um, but I went through all the titles. I said, I should just name one, the book one of these titles. And the thing I came up with was was white people are awesome, and I really like that because it's. I, I think that it's a shame that you're not allowed to say something like that, um, and expect not to be perceived as a white supremacist. Like you have to be, expect. Like I'm sure, excuse me, I'm sure that some people are going to read the title of that book, and say, "Oh, this was written by a white supremacist," and that's. The fact that people think that, you know, will think that upon looking at the title of this book, to me, is a perfect illustration of what's wrong with this country uh, and, and what's wrong with our society today, which is, which is why I thought it was a perfect title, right? People will see it. They'll think I'm a racist. And then I'll explain in the book why I titled it that, which is that the fact that you think I'm a racist is, you know, that's really messed up. Like, there aren't that many white supremacists. And those who are, they probably will say this, yes. But that doesn't mean that the rest of us aren't allowed to say it. I, I actually was in the elevator yesterday with a woman with a shirt, a black girl, that said, blackity black black. That's what her shirt said. That was it. There was no context, nothing. It just said, blackity black black. And could you imagine if I had a shirt on and I was walking around? I mean, maybe not me because I don't look that white, but uh, <laughs> a more white-looking white guy. Uh, Conan O'Brien, for instance, was, was... Well, Conan O'Brien could get away with it because he's a comedian, but... You know, a white person going around with a shirt that says, you know, whitey, white, white, 
or something like that. Unless people thought he was ridiculing white people. If people thought that it was saying like, I'm white, ha ha ha, or something. People would immediately think that person's racist. I think that's terrible. You know, we, we, we assume racism of white people these days. And, and the truth is, a huge number of black people, a hugely significant number of black people are racist in America today. And almost no white people are. But we always assume racism with white people. It's, 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 a, it's a huge problem that I, I, want, I would love to fix in America. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, C. Reed said, uh, little Timmy fell in a well. I do not understand that statement <laughs> at all. I wish I did. Uh, let's see. That was a good interview with Scott, says Color Majewish. Color Majewish. Well, thank you so much, Color Majewish. Uh, Jewish people are smart. Chapter one. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, Scott's a good dude, says Slim. He, he really is a really nice guy. I mean, he... He's he's so nice that if he wasn't a conservative, I would find him a bit annoying because he's so he's like aggressively nice. Like he's 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 weirdly nice. It makes him a little bit odd, but his views and his perspective on life and the things that he's trying to do in the country are so amazing that um, I think actually the the kindness is almost just like um, it makes it even like more powerful what he's doing. So, yeah, uh, more power to Scott. I, 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 I cannot like that guy enough. He's just, he's just like the coolest guy. All right, let's see here. Uh, Jeff Beal writes, This book better not come out before Turf Volume 2. <laughs> yeah, I stopped doing those. I, I, I wish I would write another one. But um, the truth is I'm just not talking about the election as much as I used to. I, I specifically designed that because I expected that I would be talking about the election more than I am. But the concept of the the um, the world of turf is that you change all the names of all the politicians in the world that currently exists, so that you can talk about political issues in a way that is fictional uh, without getting censored by YouTube. But it doesn't matter anymore because YouTube has so constricted my channel, my original channel, Mr. Reagan, that I think I'm actually going to start a new channel called Mr. Reagan Two, and I'm just going to post everything from Mr. Reagan on Mr. Reagan Two as well, and in parallel, and build that channel up because. Um, uh, people people can't see my videos anymore. I mean, YouTube has really constricted it. It all depends on what my manager is able to do. I'm going to try to get him to to go in behind the scenes and uh, I guess they call it an MCN, right? So like a multi-channel network. I'm going to have to get those guys to go into YouTube and say, hey, look, what's going on with this guy's channel? Because the thing is, I'm not really... The, the fact that I say provocative things, like what I want to title this book and stuff... Um, that's not that's not necessarily a, a perfect reflection of who I am or or what I'm trying to say here. Almost everything that I do and say is motivated by one basic premise, which is that I want to improve the quality of life of all Americans. That's it. I want to improve, improve the quality of life of Americans. And I think the best way to do that, or one of the best ways to do that, is to promote traditional Christian values and then just basic common sense ideas about how to run the country. Uh, and so a lot of the stuff that I say that's, you know, in a p- provocative way is to point us toward ideas that maybe we haven't been thinking about or talking about, um, but that need to be addressed in order to improve our quality of life. And yes, it sounds provocative sometimes, but it, but a lot of times the reason something's provocative is because it, people perceive it 
as something that's racist, even though maybe they are, they shouldn't. They're jumping to a conclusion. And I do like to play on that. I do like to play on people's expectations of misogyny um, or, or, or racism, these kinds of stupid ideas, uh, and just point out how you know ridiculous they are um, by saying things that may be provocative. Um, like sometimes I do talk about how, you know, I'm going to beat my wife or something like that, right? But the reason I talk about that is because that's a thing that is expected of us by the left or about how conservatives, just we just hate the blacks, you know? <laughs> like, to me, those things are funny. Those things are funny presumptions that the left has about the right that are that are absurd, and they actually kind of damage our ability to communicate and to work through ideas and to talk through things. Um, let's see. Uh, C. Reed writes, what's that, Lassie? Question mark. There, there was a guy named New User the other day who kept on writing nonsensical things in my super chats. And now this guy's doing it. And I'm wondering if it's the same person. <laughs> He's got a picture of Kim Jong, Kim Jong Un uh, on his profile there. And I'm thinking, or is it Kim Jong Il? Who's the, who's the new guy? I always get him and his dad confused. I'm wondering if it's really him. Is that you, Kim? Are you trolling me, Kim? All right, here. Uh, Nathaniel writes, missed your show all last week. My MacBook broke and cost 750 bucks to fix, so I didn't have any money to give you, but I got my stimulus check, so here's five bucks. I love this guy. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, John But Jack writes, instead of Reagan 2, you should go with Mr. Mondale. <laughs> no. Uh, let's see here. Jeff Beal writes, uh, I don't know if jumping to another channel will work. I think the algorithm links your videos and restricts them both uh, seen other creators try it and it's never worked that I've seen. Okay, well, I, I will obviously research it before I do it. That was kind of the initial plan that I'd had, but you make a good point. Um, my Somebody I know just wrote me and I'm curious what he, oh, he just sent a link. I was thinking maybe he was watching the show and he didn't want to comment in the comment section, so he commented uh, 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 to me directly. Um... It says, this is from Daily Koss. It says, explosive revelations just blew up sociopath Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's golden boy image. Um, I highly doubt that, but I will read the article. Um, if you are watching, thank you for sending me this. I will not say who that is because it is a relative of mine. <laughs> anyway. Yes, I am no longer the crazy leader. Uh I gotta pay more attention to this guy. He's 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 a funny guy, uh, but a bit odd. Let's see here. Um, oh, Jesus is God says she she shares these videos. Well, thank you so much. Um, oh, the Ishtar thing. Somebody wants me to mention the Ishtar thing. I was actually going to do a whole segment on the Easter thing, but Valeria was like, "We we we can't let this show go too long because I gotta run off to my thing." But I did a bunch of research into the Ishtar thing, and I would like to say this. The, the whole concept, I don't even know why people are calling it Ishtar, because the concept that Easter is somehow a pagan holiday that Christians adopted or some people in Europe adopted or, or are trying somehow to make Easter like a, <laughs> like a you know, somehow like a, a crypto heretical holiday. It's all absurd. It's all ridiculous. It's all wrong. Um, the word Easter comes from a German word meaning dawn. Um, <clears throat> right, like you rose again, dawn. And in fact, in most European countries, it's like Pasha or something like that, which is like the word for Passover. Um, 
but the the reason that it comes from the word dawn, uh, you know, the, why people think that it's this god uh, oyster or something or whatever the god's name is, um, this pagan god, is because the Germans got their word for dawn from I think from that god or that god was named after the the dawn that this this sort of pagan god was named after the word dawn. Somehow those words are connected in German. So because they were trying to make the word in German uh, for you know the day that Jesus rose from the grave, you know, come from this word dawn, people misinterpreted that as this word coming from this pagan god, but it doesn't. And and none of the other Easter traditions are from pagan sources. But you know what? I, I will do it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe I'll go into an in-depth research about this tomorrow. Um, I, sh- I should probably end the video here, but, uh, hold on, hold on. I got another, I got another text. Uh, oh, it's, it's another article. Wow. Chuck Todd just called out the Republican failure on the infrastructure bill. Why, why does he keep sending me daily costs? See, the problem with a lot of these, like he sent me a, like a political fact thing, a political, political fact thing that says the autopsy does not say that George Floyd dies, died of an overdose. See, a lot of these, unfortunately, a lot of these sites that, uh, you know, people will send me, and this is a relative of mine, um, that are, you know, they have left-wing points, is that they're not reliable sources. They're actually really unreliable. Like political facts says no autopsy does not say George Floyd died of an overdose. Yeah, it does, actually. It totally does say it does. And it, it doesn't even say that it's like half true or something. It's just false, which is not true. Um, the autopsy did say he died of an overdose. Um, all right, let's see here. Andrew Jensen writes, make my work pronouns the thou. Thoughts? I, <laughs> I, you know, I always joke that like uh, my pronouns are like your majesty or your highness. Uh, or your worship, or something like that, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I, <laughs> the thou, uh, the, you know, maybe we should go back to that generally in society instead of saying the or uh, you. I guess it's you, right? One one thing that's interesting, by the way, of um, I don't know if you guys know this is an interesting fact, completely random, nothing to do with uh, politics, but. Um, you know how they have these signs from like old timey taverns from like the Middle Ages, and it always says like uh, "ye ye old ye oldy shop shop a" or something like right? Like the old the word "old" has an e at the end, and the word "the" is "y e." One thing that's interesting about that is that old typesetters didn't have a um, didn't have a printing block for a letter that we used to have in the English language called "thorn." And the language, the the the, um, the letter for thorn, they just used the letter Y because it kind of vaguely resembled the, the letter thorn. But the letter thorn was the TH sound. That was the TH sound. And so when you read Y-E in old texts, that's actually the word the. It's the word the, just like we say the word the, except instead of a thorn, they would use a Y. And so we read it today as ye. So all the stuff in like, in like the King James version of the Bible, it doesn't say ye, it says it says thee, but we read it as ye a lot of times because um, they they replace the thorn letter with the with the y, and so now that, that is an interesting point of just point of fact of history of of interesting things about the world. All right, let's see here. Jeff Beal writes, "How hard did you uh, did you gave palm 
seeing LeBron James star in the new... Oh, did you facepalm? I think he's starting to say facepalm. Probably writing on the phone and it changed the word. Uh, in the new Space Jam's movie. You know... Look, I'm not really a big fan of sports anyway. When I was a kid, I was into basketball. I played a lot of basketball. I watched basketball. I was impressed with Michael Jordan. He was a, the the thing about Michael Jordan was that he was actually kind of a charismatic person. So you could kind of maybe put him in a movie and he would have enough charisma to carry the film. I don't think LeBron James has any kind of charisma. Um and now maybe that's just me because I don't like sports and I don't really watch uh LeBron James that much, even in interviews, but I just don't see that working. I didn't, I obviously didn't see the film. Maybe I will, but I, I doubt it. I doubt I'm going to see Space Jam 2. I never actually watched Space Jam 1, which is, I should have. It came out when I was a kid, um, but I never saw it. Let's see here. Frank James says, that's not what the other lawyer said. I don't understand that joke. <laughs> I assume it's a joke, but... um. All right, so, guys, I think we are good. I think uh, I'm going to call it a day, and we're going to get into this stuff more tomorrow. And I'll, I'll try to go through, and I'll find a good article about the Easter stuff, and I can read you guys some of that stuff. But, yeah, Easter is, in fact, a solidly Christian holiday. You should be proud of it. You should celebrate it, and you shouldn't call it something other than Easter. Easter is a perfectly fine thing to call it. And uh, I will see you guys tomorrow. Good night. Toxic masculinity.